Binging on movies with Rebecca and Jason. Are you gonna love them or hate them? Here comes the binge. Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Binge, in which a couple of homos review the latest movies. I'm Jason Leroy. And I'm Rebecca Olarte. And today we have three movie, four movies for you. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, Asteroid City, Monica, and Blackberry. And as always, we're going to rate these movies on a three-tiered scale, with Binge It being our highest rating. Consume in moderation means it's okay, but it's kind of meh. And Send It Back means... Life is too short for that mess. You know what else is feeling shorter by the day is 2023. It's already half over. Can you believe it, Rebecca? I cannot believe it. Um, I can't actually believe it because it is July. (laughs) I mean, if you want to get technical about it, yes. Okay, fine. (laughs) You're the second person that has said that to me this week. Like, I cannot believe it is halfway over and I I can. (laughs) Well, I like to be on trend. Uh, so I'm glad that I'm part of that trend in your life. Uh, and, you know, you always know it's halfway through the year because we have put out at least four episodes. Uh, so. <laughs> Do a quarter. <laughs> so and so now now and now here we are uh, doing our first episode of this quarter. Uh, our first episode without a special guest in a in a few in a few minutes here. Uh, so I mean, we just... will tell it's lacking. <laughs> Exactly. You just get you just get mom and dad this time, folks. The summer's uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh But yeah, now that we're at the mid-year point, I, I couldn't help but look back at uh, at the films that have been released so far and, and think about where I stand. I, I love a mid-year list. I do. Um, and uh, and so I really set off in the last few weeks of June to try to get caught up on on what I was seeing on uh, on lists here and there. And and I do have a running ranked list on my letterboxd uh, of which I feel like I probably plugged in this show many a time. No new follows, but I'll do it again. Letterboxd. Uh, and I mean, you know what? wait, you just say the name of the app. Is it how, how would somebody follow you if you just say, like, find me on Instagram and then you just don't say an <laughs> what your name is on it it's a fair question i guess i i i i don't sit my my name on on letterbox is just one word jason leroy so so i guess that's why i'm just like just search my name which is always your first thought when you try to you know find somebody in these things wait um, is it jason leroy like l-e-e <laughs> how dare you correct my own pronunciation my last name <laughs> i'm just asking maybe you were trying to be anonymous uh, i know uh it is that is the usual spelling l-e-r-y okay. and for some reason i always default to saying it like leroy when i feel like i'm really wanting people to like catch it and like not wonder what it is uh like if i'm at like you know checking in a restaurant i'm always like leroy um even for all i know they're saying they're like they're like with two e's i'm like no <laughs> uh, but uh yes i'm jason jason leroy on uh, on letterboxd and i do keep a, a running list each year it's like my third year doing this where every time i watch a new movie that's from that year i put it in the list somewhere wherever i think it belongs so i have had the same number one uh this year ever since i saw it um and uh and nothing nothing has threatened it so far even though it's early in the year. That happened last year as well, because Everything Everywhere All at Once came out in early spring, late winter uh, 2022, and that went to number one on my list, and nothing I saw the rest of the year changed it. Um, And this year, uh, that movie is a little drama called Of an Age, uh, 
we have not reviewed it on this show. I think we were between quarters um, at the time <laughs> when it came out. Uh, it is a uh, it's a beautiful Australian uh, queer coming of age drama um, written and directed by Goran Solevsky. Uh, and uh, it tells just a gorgeously sort of realized little story about this sort of closeted uh, gay 18-year-old boy in a, a suburb of Melbourne uh, who goes on a, sort of a, a road trip of sorts to find a chaotic friend of his on the morning of an important school final. And he goes on a road trip with her brother, who he hadn't met before. And over the course of this road trip, um, they start to sort of you know, draw things out in one another. Um, and it's just, I just watched it for a second time yesterday and it hit me even harder than it did the first time. Um, it definitely has a little bit of like a before sunrise kind of feel in the sense you're sort of just watching two people traveling and talking, getting to know each other and surprising each other. Um, but it has a, just a lot of humor, has a lot of great details. It has a huge emotional wallop. Um, it takes place in two different settings. The first is 1999, the second is 2010. So we sort of check back in with them, um, you know, later in their lives, uh, and they, you know, reconnect and we sort of get a sense of who they've become and what their thoughts are on each other at this point. And it's just, it's just a beautiful, it's a heart exploding movie. It just, it's a heart exploder. Um, I love it so much. Cannot recommend it highly enough of an age that is number one with the bullet for me. Uh, this year. And actually, and my number two, not again to this, is also one that we did not review. And it was very controversial when yeah. I posted it in my Instagram stories. And that is Bo is Afraid, uh, which is a oh. very, very, very polarizing movie. And I had no fewer than three people reply to me to attack me over that selection. <laughs> wow. Yes. Uh, it, so it, it, It's also very long. So I'm surprised you made it to the top of your list. Yeah, I saw it twice, even though it's three hours long. Oh, wow. Yes. You tarred it. Yes. <laughs> I tarred it. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, anyway, that is where I stand uh, at my mid-year point for movies. Rebecca, what is your number one of 2023 so far? Wow. Well, I uh, was not prepared for this question. So let me just pull up your letterbox and see what you had <laughs> at number two. Um, <laughs> although I'm, now I'm getting um, the spoilers about what you're going to think about this week's movie, I see. Ooh, um oh. So I guess it's past lives, <laughs> which I haven't seen. But you rated number three right after Of an Age and Bo is Afraid. Man, past lives. What can I say about it? Um, <laughs> I can say the top cast is uh, Greta Lee, Yo Tio, John Mag um, No, I, um, I have not been keeping a running list of movies um, that I in, in ranked order of this year because I... Go ahead. <laughs> I'm not on Letterbox. I don't. <laughs> I have better uh, things to do. <laughs> I, well, you know, I didn't want to. I didn't want to. Um, but I, I will. You know, I think this works really nicely. It's a kind of a segue to our, um, our first movie of the week. I so far, maybe it's a recency bias, but I will say it is probably Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Oh. Yeah. So should we get into that and we can yeah. uh, talk about it together? And now that you know how I feel about it, and now I know you feel about it based on ah. your Letterbox rating um i'll save all my uh jibs and jabs for then <laughs> perfect great after reuniting with gwen stacy brooklyn's full-time friendly neighborhood spider-man is catapulted across the multiverse where he encounters a team of spider people charged with protecting its very existence however when the hero's 
clash on how to handle a new threat, Miles finds himself pitted against the other spiders. He must soon redefine what it means to be a hero so he can save the people he loves most. So what the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> wow. No, I, I liked it. I liked it. <laughs> I liked I'm it. kidding. I understand that you it's, kind of it's liked in my it. Top, it's in my top 20. <laughs> it is in your brother. Four across one, two, three, four. Yeah, it's 20th. Um, there's some in there above that I'm surprised about. Okay, Megan, I get it. Did that come out this year? <laughs> it did. It was in January. Another oh, wow. one that we, I think. Oh, that could have been up there. Review. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, yeah. You hurt my feelings. You also think is better. Hmm. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I did. Um, okay. if we want to, if we want to start with that, <laughs> on this movie, we can. But, uh, I mean, it, it's, uh, like it goes slightly above air. Um, <laughs> no, I mean it's well above air for me. Okay, well fair enough. Air. Fair enough. Fucking hate air. Hate, hate, hate. Okay, so that's um, where we can start getting in the line of where you start hating things. Wow, you <laughs> but you liked Super Mario Brothers less than Air. Uh, I, I definitely. Right. I guess I thought Air was a better movie than Super Mario Brothers. Wow. You think you know a person, <laughs> and then you find them on Letterbox at, at Jason Leroy. Um, and then you find a whole new. I'm gagged that you actually looked me up. <laughs> I thought you were. I thought you were doing a bit until you said past lies. I'm like, oh my god, can you see me? Uh... <laughs> I mean, I could tell you didn't think I could see you because of your hair right now, but uh, <laughs> I did see you. Okay, come on, let's get to Spider-Man. What did yeah, you like about right. it? <laughs> <laughs> this is how the movie podcast goes now. <laughs> what did you like about it? I mean, it's just we're in a world where. We're seeing multiverses just just fail one after the other, with the exception of everything everywhere all at once, obviously. Um, And this one does it so right. It does it in the most fun, imaginative. It does, you know, I don't know that much about animation. I'm not, uh, I don't watch a lot of animation. I won't say I'm not a fan. I'm just not familiar. And this movie opens up a, a mindset that is, you know, with again, with the exception of everything everywhere all at once being, you know, mostly a live action movie, this movie is like I I could not guess what things will look like next, and I did not know you could do that with this format. And this is the biggest treat of all. It feels like you are being shown something. And again, watch there be some professional who's like they rip off all of the <laughs> animation styles of all these. Fine. Well, I haven't seen it before, and um, it's just it's a magical. It's like when you go to we've been watching The Bear recently, and we were uh, talking about how you know I don't know if you've seen the re- the most recent season of the idea of like being taken care of by like a Michelin star restaurant and that experience for guests, and then how that show is kind of trying to provide that in a show for the viewers. And this feels like I'm going to a Michelin star restaurant, and I am seeing colors and flavors and textures and um, all like wrapped in a perfectly um, uh, tied up story that makes sense and is touching uh, where I didn't know that animation could look more like acting than acting does um, with, with however they capture Shamik Moore. Um, I loved it. Blown away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. New flavors. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I I, 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 I I thought it was impressive. I liked it a lot. Um, I think that what the only thing that for me, I guess, was sort of disappointing was I thought that it was a lot less fun and a lot more serious than the first one. 
Mm. Um, like the first one I rewatched recently, me and Scott went to go see it um, with a new, with an introduction in person by Lord and Miller. It was a lot of fun. Um, and watching it again on the big screen, I was just like, oh, this movie is so good and just exhilarating and fun and fresh and like, oh, it's just incredible and imaginative. Watching the second one to me, and maybe it was like, I know a lot of people were like, wow, this movie is like almost bewildering from a sensory perspective. Um, I don't know if it was that, if I was just bewildered. And so I wasn't able to connect with it as much emotionally. Um, but like, I just felt like for me, it was just slightly diminishing returns. Like the things I enjoyed about the first one, I did not connect with as much in the second one because it did, it did feel just a lot more. And this is a common thing that, you know, movies in, in the MCU do, um, is, you know, they'll give you a first one that is just all fun, all adrenaline, and then when they come back to the second chapter, they're like, okay, time to raise the stakes, time to make this a little bit more serious, more gravitas. I mean, have what guardians, you know? Uh, and so I felt like that's what was happening here. And like, just for me as a viewer, like it was sort of the things that I enjoyed about the first one. I feel like it was like starting to like minimize a little bit. Um, you know, could I, and then it was also like trying to make me care about stuff that I guess I wasn't caring about. Um, and you know, so I was just kind of like, yeah, I was just kind of sitting there like, you know, I'm, I just wasn't having as much fun. And I guess that's what I was hoping to get out of it. Um, mm. So, you know, it was very, I mean, it, yeah, like to your point, it is remarkable. The the ability to create these very vivid, um, emotional, intellectual characterizations in animation, um, just like the nuance of feeling that you get from like, from Miles' parents and, you know, as they're sort of like going through their beats in the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and then, yeah, you, you get a sort of a, one of those just massive philosophical mindfuck center questions of like, do you, you know, risk, do you let one, you know, two people die to save a billion or vice versa, you know? Um, you know, so like, but, but even that, I mean, we, it's not the first time we've contemplated that question in the MCU. Um, but you know, it's, yeah, it's, it was just all kind of, yeah, a lot for me um, and and not kind of what I was wanting to see out of it. But and I also like, uh, uh, you know, full disclosure, I have been couldn't find just, parking, well, couldn't find parking. <laughs> it was it was stressful. It was stressful. Um, but I, I was just trying to like steer. So we were just buying our tickets to go see Barbie. And I was like begging him to go see it Sunday at night. And he's like, I want to see it in a full house. I'm just like, then you're driving. Um, um, uh, yeah, I mean, no, I'd heard a lot of, a lot, a lot, a lot of people in my immediate sphere were like really over the top fucking nuts about this movie. Like I know somebody who's seen it four times in the first week. I, you know, people, people going to their, taking to their stories to tell everybody that there won't be a better movie this year. Like I saw a lot of that. And so I guess I went in. Not not like I mean, it's not my first time hearing buzz about a movie and then before and then you go to see it. But I guess like, you know, I still try to go and just let it be what it was and like let it take me on this ride that would just blow me away and leave me being like, wow, that's the best movie I've seen this year. It just didn't happen. But the funny thing was I was keenly aware it was happening to other people in the audience because when this movie ends would on the cliffhanger, because if people don't know, this is just it's like part one of, of like a two parter. Um, so it does end on a cliffhanger. Like the the electric scream that went through the audience of all these all these bros be like ah! like like it was like it <laughs> really it was 
it was wild. Like the like the 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 reaction, the very loud reaction the whole theater had. And we didn't see it opening weekend either. We saw it like a week after it opened, and still people screamed, like like grown men screamed in their seats because they were like so blown away and so like, oh my god, about how it ended. And I was like, okay, well, clearly this is doing a lot for all of y'all, uh, and and did not did not as much for me. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, it's still a you know, obviously, I mean, technically, it's it's absolutely jaw dropping. Um, and and then the drama is not bad uh, by any stretch. It's just like, yeah, I was like, I didn't. The first movie was just so fun, so I just kind of miss how fun the first movie was. Mm. Uh. Yes, it was, you know, definitely more serious theme. There were definitely more serious themes. I think that they really, um, like, nailed those scenes. I, I, There was a feeling, I don't know, we were just recently talking about um, some things going on at, at work and life, and uh, mm-hmm. the feeling of Miles being a teenager with, like, n- you know, not, not being trusted, but having all of this responsibility that he's trying to manage um Mm. he's trying to do the right thing he's carrying like the weight of the city and now the multiverse on his shoulders and at the same time like his parents don't trust him at all um i felt like that that came across in a really hitting way for being this like bright and colorful um maybe not as fun as the first one i agree but but still fun funny movie um when they take the the turn into the multiverse that is like the india multiverse like that was Mm -hmm. um just like another really fun time through the, the narration and, and um, the new characters that you meet. Um, oh yeah. Also the new Spider-Mans are amazing. Um, and then I think that like that trolley question, um, that's mm-hmm. kind of the crux of the thing. I did not see that coming, like how mm-hmm. that happens, what, what it means about canon and things. I, I didn't see it coming. And I was, so I was, I was really impressed with that, um, sort of problem. Um, yeah. I guess we'll see what the third one is like. Yeah. This one's getting a binge for me and probably, yeah, definitely in the top three, if not top of my um, movies so far this year. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll give it, I'll, I'll, I'll just, I'll just give it a binge minus. Uh, I, I would not, you know, like I, I, I truly can't be like, Oh, here's this movie did wrong. That I thought was bad. It's really just a, a matter of, of just like my experience watching as a viewer, but by no means is there anything really wrong with it. So it's just a binge minus for me. And Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is in theaters still, and it's rated PG. Movie number two this week is Asteroid City. World-changing events spectacularly disrupt the itinerary of a junior stargazer space cadet convention in an American desert town circa 1955. What's the, Did we do any Wes Anderson movies before? I'm to think. Yeah, I wonder if we did... We have done The I Island mean, Dog. I, didn't probably see did Grand, you did. I think Grand Budapest did when we came out when we were doing the really? show. Maybe we did that. And then like there was I don't know if we did French Dispatch. Maybe did we do that one? Hmm. But yeah, I don't know. Um yeah, off the top of my head, I'm not sure, but you know, uh, sorry, we could take this as an opportunity to, you know, do our our respective Wes Anderson vibes. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> where we stand on his uh on his oeuvre. Uh, are you a you a West fan? You a West girly? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I think that the, that my like my thoughts on this movie are very much tied to um, my Wes Anderson fandom, which was I really enjoyed Rushmore, mm-hmm. The Royal Tenenbaums, Fantastic Mr. Fox, 
I they started to lose me. Moonrise Kingdom, even Life Aquatic a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Fantastic Mr. Fox, I think timeline wise stands out, but it also is you know an animated. Come on, about a sexy fox, get the hell out! Of course, I'm gonna like <laughs> it. It's it's a little bit different, I think. Um, but Rushmore and Royal Tenenbaums, you know, really embraced the lovable kookiness of its characters. And I think we've strayed so far from that now that um, I don't see the point. Uh, how about you? Are you a Wes Anderson fan? Um, yeah, generally I am. Um, I would say that his last two, um, Isle of Dogs and uh, French Dispatch, have done the least for me since, um, I mean, I haven't watched. Uh, and prior to that, I would think the weakest ones would probably be Life Aquatic and Darjeeling Limited. Um, so I don't know how I feel if I rewatch either of those now, but certainly, I mean, obviously no one questions Rushmore or Royal Tenenbaums or Fantastic Mr. Fox. I, I think Grand Budapest might actually be his best movie. Mm. Um, and Moonrise Kingdom, I was a big fan of. So, but you know, this one, I do feel like, you know, his movies are definitely getting more and more, um, sort of esoteric. Uh, which, you know, sounds, might sound like impossible, (laughs) (laughs) um, you know, but but with this one, I think that it's, you know, he, he, I, this movie was was tricky for me because I as I'm watching it, I'm just like, OK, I'm enjoying this. And I was I laughed at all the funny parts. I thought they all hit like and then by the end, I found it unaccountably very moving. Um, and I, I was like, wow. And, and but and then it's over. I'm just like, OK, well, yeah, I thought that was really good. I have no idea what the hell it's talking about. <laughs> not not in the slightest. Not even a little bit. Like something about grief. I don't know. Um, I, 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 I couldn't tell you. Uh, and I know this is this is one of those movies that brings out the academic know-it-all nerd and a lot of critics because suddenly everybody's an expert in fucking Bertolt Brecht. Um, <laughs> because like, oh, well, Brechtian, Brechtian, Brechtian. I'm like, oh, my God, enough. Um, so... But, you know, but I gather that, you know, since he's doing this thing with like layers of reality and sort of acknowledging the fourth wall and sort of, sh- you know, stay, show within a show and showing the sort of behind the scenes workmanship of putting this production on, having the actors be themselves as well as characters, except for, you know, it's even another layer of removal because the actors are playing actors who are playing characters, yada, yada, yada. Um, you know, it's it, it, it somehow, whatever it was, it worked because, you know, there's probably the most powerful scene in the film, which they managed to pull off is a scene uh, where it's not even within the main story. It's within sort of the one level remove we're watching the sort of like behind the scenes black and white documentary about the making of Asteroid City. And, you know, we have this stray scene where it's Ed Norton, right, who goes out of the fire escape. And then mm. across the way uh, is Marco Robbie, uh, who had, is plays an actor who had had a role that kind of got cut uh, from the final version of Asteroid City. It's Jason and, Schwartzman. Oh, Jason Schwartzman. Thank you. And so Schwartzman and Margot Robbie across from each other and they do a scene um, that had been cut. And it, they're just actors playing actors doing a line reading of a scene about sort of grief. And it just like rips your heart out of your chest. It's so powerful and so beautiful, um, despite the many layers of artifice and the storytelling framework that Anderson's built around this moment. But it still cuts through with this really powerful human emotion um so it's moments like that where i'm like well i can't just write this movie off out of hand like i think that like just because i don't understand what the hell he's talking about 
um, you know, it, it doesn't mean this isn't powerful work. Um, and I mean, like there's, and there's, I mean, again, like, like I said, like the humor all hits, the actors are all doing exactly what he wants his actors to do and they're doing it well. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's truly some of the biggest laughs I have seen in a West movie in a while around like the alien stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, Scarlett Johansson is styled like Elizabeth Taylor and it's a serve. Uh, it is, you know, we have Tilda back. Come on, Tilda. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just a treat. Um, so, you know, I mean, so yeah, that, that's sort of like, that's sort of my, you know, long winded way of being like, yeah, I thought it was really, really good. Even though I would not be able to like write a great essay tomorrow about like what it's all, what it all means. Um, but I mean, mm. I thought it at least kept me thinking the whole time, you know, like I was, I was very like, you know, mentally engaged as well as emotionally engaged the whole time, trying to like just follow every little hairpin turn and all the different levels of reality that were playing out. Um, yeah. And it's the first Wes Anderson movie that gives us its whole cast saying a mantra toward the end, uh, which is certainly new. Yeah. That was a moment. It was, it was, but, uh, <laughs> but yes, over, over to you. I know yeah. you just watched this yesterday, right? I did. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I can understand. I mean, you you brought up Brex, so, you know, um, if you want to go on and on about from the fact, like, so be it. Um, just kidding. Um, <laughs> I think, I mean, I think you and I do watch a lot of movies differently and maybe this sort of, like, kind of tricky uh, effect of, like, not submerging yourself in the film um works more on some people than others um it kind of reminds me a little bit of like Mulholland Drive which is like the only movie I ever compare any movies mm-hmm. to it's either a <laughs> no comparison or it reminds me of Mulholland Drive and the like yeah these moments bring out this emotional effect in you regardless of how much they make sense in in terms of the plot or mm-hmm. um where it's going to like these vignettes of that solicit feeling um, and, and maybe, and, and I do love that about Mulholland Drive, but, but maybe it's because we're also now having to, to watch the whole movie with what has become, I don't know, how many times can you see the same set of actors in the same saturated colors and the same types of shots and the same kinds of characters with the like, you know, too smart, nerdy kid and um, the awkward adventurer, the distant father, the dying parent. Like it was it, I, 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 I can't. It was it was not worth it for me Like to do that, to do that trick, to have that moment. You made me watch mm-hmm. an old Wes Anderson film, like one of the middle ones. <laughs> um, <laughs> but then you kind of changed one thing about it. It it felt like uh, it was for me. It was a slog of having to watch kind of like that same that same um, style again the whole time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, I, mean, I could see that. Um, I was trying to think of like, oh, can I say this is like, oh, but it's interesting in this because they're all in sort of a contained setting. But then I was like, okay, well, no, I mean, Grand Budapest they're in a contained setting. Uh, Moonrise Kingdom they're in a contained setting. Um, you know, so it's definitely not the first time that that's happened either. Um, yeah, no, I guess for some reason it just worked for me more than it didn't. Um, I mean, French Dispatch was also a very, I mean, it was literally just vignettes, you know, it was mm-hmm, all just like, mm-hmm. you know, different quote unquote articles from this French Dispatch. Um, and, you know, and that, 
is, you know, one that really just made me throw my hands up. Like, okay, I don't give a fuck. I just don't give a fuck about any of this. <laughs> um, you know, whereas this ultimately brought, kept me in. And, you know, and, and it might be because it does have this overarching narrative of grief um, of Ed Norton, uh, his character and his kids and, and his recently lost his wife, their mother. And you, oh, was it Schwartzman? Oh, OK, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um, yeah, I watched it I don't know, a few weeks ago. But, um, but yeah, so Schwartzman. And even though like we at first when we first acknowledge <laughs> the scene where he first acknowledges that she has died, is played for just the absolute coldest, most absurdist kind of deadpan humor. Um, but then by the end of the film, um, it has become much more emotional. Mm-hmm. So I guess for me, at least it has this emotional through line of like, and I guess comparing like, you know, these themes of grief with aliens, you know, thinking about mortality, thinking about other worlds, thinking about what else is out there. Um, you know, so I guess thematically it connected enough for me that it worked, um, mm-hmm. you know, and that it does, it doesn't lose the thread. Like it keeps this thread while, while it builds it out with, you know, additional characters all with their own thing going on. Um, it doesn't lose sight of this sort of this, this core, this core theme with these characters. So, so I guess for me, that's, that's a big part of why it worked more than it didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, yet you thought Guardians of the Galaxy 3 was manipulative. <laughs> Um, I'm holding right now my little um, desktop toy. It's a little um, baby rocket, and he's like the size of my thumbnail. It's um, very cute. Um, How how do you not sob all day looking at that? I don't know. It's just too cute. I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. Maybe you shouldn't have asked. Um, Um, What are you giving this one? Uh, this is number 10 on my list this year. Uh, <laughs> so uh, it is getting a binge it from me. Wow. Um, it is getting a, I'm so sorry to say, send it back for me. Oh, wow. There we go. Yeah. Yeah, the, the old 710 split. Snake eyes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is in theaters now and it is rated PG 13. Movie number three this week is Monica. A woman returns home to care for her ailing mother, whom she hasn't seen in years. Talk about the opposite. (laughs) Yes. Different in every way other than, although, just as as aesthetically minded, really. Um, Just as careful with composition and, and cinematography and, and, uh, I mean, just like, just really meticulous, extremely meticulous. There is a scene in this movie, um, where... The protagonist, Monica, um, her car breaks down and she gets out of the car and kind of it's, you know, it it feels like a familiar scene you've seen before of like, uh, you know, a woman lit by the headlights on a dark road. But it is just so good. I think sometimes we start a movie talking about the cinematography and that's like, let's get the good (laughs) out of the way. But this is I'm not going it's not going there for me. And this Mm. was just marvelous. Just beautiful. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you get to see this one in a theater or did you watch it at home? I watched it at home, okay. uh, which yeah, yeah, I guess it's fortune. How about you? Yeah, no, I, I did. I, I saw it in the theater. I got to see it opening weekend with with Trace Lysette, the lead actress, and uh, the director, Andrea Palauro, who's a gorgeously handsome Italian man, mm-hmm. um, uh, in conversation with Hannah Einbinder, actually, from Hacks. Oh, nice. Um, so that was fun. Um <clears throat> Yeah, this is one of those movies that has like that I was trying to find like a better official description that had like more plot detail in it and not finding it. Um but so no, we that's talk about it, the plot. Though. 
I mean, it is, but I feel like it leaves off, you know, key elements of like the emotional experience of the character and like why she's reluctant to go back and all that stuff. Um, it's not like the movie obscures any of that. Um, but if you'd rather not go into it, we don't have to. If you want to make it a, you know, let it be something that people experience when they watch it. I think it kind of works to experience it as you watch it. If you wouldn't, if you're, if you're okay with that. Okay. Yep. That's fine. Um, um so this is Trace Lysette. Is her first lead role. Um, she's popped up over the years um, with some standout work. Uh, she had a great recurring role on Transparent. Uh, she played one of the dancers in Hustlers. Um, oh, I didn't know that. She did. Yeah, um, yeah. She she has a couple of uh, of, of, of 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 dialogue bits uh, in that movie. She has like her main her main sort of character storyline is that her boyfriend keeps like showing up at the club and sort of like, oh, making, yep. making drama for her. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and Trace, I think in real life had actually worked at the club that the real story happened at for Hustlers. Um, so she sort of, when it, when it got announced, she sort of went on social and was just kind of like, well, I'd love to get hired to be in this because I actually (laughs) lived it. Um, so, uh, but you know, she's, and then this, this film is her first full on, uh, lead role and boy, oh boy. Um, this is, I mean, she, how somebody can be still relatively new ish to acting Mm. and have just like the poise and stillness and control that she has is just Mm. like mind boggling. I mean, it has to be a combination of actor director, um, maybe some Patricia Clarkson magic on it Mm. all as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. What a, what a, I want to say quiet film. Yeah. Um, it has scenes of, of, you know, more, more intense, you know, um, more high strung moments. Um, but even those are like the, the compression on it is so nice. Like the, the, the highs don't go too high, you know, um, mm-hmm. it feels like, you, you know, the, when you were saying that the cinematography, um, is meticulous, I think that must carry over to the directing of the actors yeah. as well. Everything yeah. feels so crisp. Mm-hmm. And so purposeful, and yeah. and it and I think that it really just comes out in the impact. I mean, it's already you know um, coming home to deal with an ailing parent, played by Patricia Clarkson, um, mm. was already going to be an emotional wallop. Um, but I think yeah, that attention to detail, that um, that cleanliness, really just hits it home even harder. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's they definitely talked about that in the Q&A that it really came down to. I mean, Andrea had like he knew exactly what he wanted in terms of those silences, in terms of like the the, the very sort of measured controlled cadence of dialogue. Like it was exactly what he wanted. And Trace was like, I couldn't talk any faster if I wanted to because he'd be like, no, you're going too quickly. <laughs> Slow it down. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, it's something that I think it's good to know going into it because like. I think that there's been, you know, people have reacted somewhat mixed or negative to it because they're like, oh, my gosh, it's so quiet and it unfolds at such a slow, controlled pace that, like, it's, like, hard to, you know, stay in it. Um, But for me, that is what made sort of, like, the back half of the movie that much more powerful Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, is, like, you know, as, you know, and that's part of also why I do recommend seeing it on on a big screen if at all possible, which I know at this point might, I think it's not playing very many places anymore, but 
like put your phone away if you decide to watch mm. this one at home because like it will pay off like if you don't if you have your phone with you and you're watching at home you're going to have your phone out probably um in the first like 45 minutes um but just put your phone away and just let yourself sort of surrender yourself to the movie's storytelling um and the way that it chooses to to tell the story that it tells and like I by the say, end oh. yeah you'll get a very rewarding emotional experience I will say that I um, picked up my phone, um, but not because the movie lost me at all. I found it like mm-hmm. that, you know, I found it while it was quiet, it was also very tense in a way that was um, easy to keep my attention. But it, it was just so hard to watch it sometimes, mm-hmm. um, you know, with that uh, emotional gravitas from the actors, right. from the scenario that I just I, I, I needed that escape to my phone. Um which I think, you know, at the end of the day, nothing is, you know, so um, over the top that I couldn't have done without it. But I found myself seeking uh, a little bit of an out sometimes, mm-hmm. which I think mm-hmm. I, I think I would have preferred I not. In right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally knew what you mean. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it's it's especially uh, Patricia Clarkson in this film gives possibly the most wrenching performance of her career. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, and she, I mean, she is somebody who certainly in recent years has gravitated more toward um, sort of like, you know, saucy fun characters and um, you know, and has not, I mean, she first kind of made her name playing a sick mom um, in pieces of April, her first uh, Mm. Oscar nominated role. Um, So it's something she's done before. But the tone of that film was much more sort of like darkly comedic. And this is not that at all. Um, so she really gives a very just unvain, very just like just full emotional warts and all performance as this woman who is, you know, sort of mentally and physically deteriorating. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's just it's a it's a gut punch of a performance. Um, and, you know, and watching her act opposite the rest of the cast and especially sort of the evolving arc, like the whole, sort of the whole movie for me comes down to the scenes between Patricia and Trace and just wa- and just watching each of them play off of each other as we have this shifting dynamic of the nature of their relationship from beginning to end. Um, it's just, it's just, it's all there. And you're just watching two people sort of at the height of their powers as scene partners um, telling a very nuanced story and doing it beautifully. It's it's just so well done. Like this, I could have seen this movie go a completely different way with a lot of like dialogue exposition, um, saying the things instead of just ex- like doing it with looks like they do in this movie, um, mm-hmm. with just looks and silences. That it it just it it's all all star all star. Yeah, agreed. This is a binge it for me. Binge it for me as well. I think it's number eight on my list. <laughs> <laughs> I will say it is it is a little hard to watch. Um, but that just means it's good. Um, <laughs> it's not hard to watch. A full title, right. hard to watch. It's it's just right. describing it. It's not hard to watch and like it's not like it's not graphic. It's not no, you know, like no, no, it, you know, no. it's it yeah, it's just it's hard. Like emotionally, it's it's yeah, emotionally it's it's grueling at times. Uh and anybody who's had a sick parent or family member, especially, you know, mm-hmm. might might have a, a hard time watching parts of this movie. It's, exactly. it's pretty un, it's pretty unsparing. Um it's also that stuff. De- you know, delicately heartwarming. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, yeah. Monica is on VOD. You can rent it on your internets and it is rated R. 
the last movie of this week. Oh, we are plowing through in record time. Is <laughs> no, it's actually not record time. No, I see how much no, time no, not at all. Okay, yeah. let's go faster. Um, Blackberry. <laughs> <laughs> The story of Mike Lazaridis and Jim Basili, the two men that charted the course of the spectacular rise and catastrophic demise of the world's first smartphone. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm Boy. trying to pull it up. What did you think about this one? <laughs> I th- this is one that I think probably would not have been on my radar. Um, if it weren't for Glenn the, Howerton. If it weren't for Glenn Howerton, well. Um, I mean, I, I, you know, him being in it certainly would have been like, oh, cool. I'm glad he's like getting movie work. But um, like, I'm like, oh, cool. It's a movie starring Glenn Howerton and Jay Barrowkell about Blackberry. OK, cool. Um, wouldn't necessarily have jumped out at me. It's interesting. Um, it's just you're just like, oh, this is just the kind of movie that has like no women in it. Um, so automatically, <laughs> I'm just like not interested. But then I just kept hearing buzz about how good it was um, and especially buzz around Glenn Howerton's performance. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll check it out. And I'm so glad that I did. Um, because especially because I, I you know, I'm, I'm getting to this point where, and there's so many movies and series, it seems right now that are like almost these hymns to capitalism and quote unquote innovation and entrepreneurialism. Like we definitely like had that favorite r- movie air, like my favorite movie air. Like, you know, we had the rush of, of series that were more about like sort of like the hucksters who were like right. sort of playing gaming the system, but then something pivoted. And then we had things like air, which are just like, feel like they are practically praying to capitalism. Um, and I was like, okay, I don't need to see another glorified fucking feature length ad for a brand. Um, not interested. Can you still uh, buy blackberries? Uh, it's a great question. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, and they certainly they have all those title cards, the end of this, you know, where they are now type stuff. I, I don't know. I don't know. But I, I, I would lean toward if you can. I don't know if it's still uh, an actual smartphone. I don't know if they rebranded. Um, but I am resisting the urge to uh, research. There is one, time. I think. Oh, oh, oh. But hard to say what I understand. I don't understand this website. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but then it says underneath. What do blackberries taste like? Oh, um, so hard to can, say. Yeah, yeah. So we so we still have blackberries. Uh, this mm-hmm. is not a film about the rise and fall of blackberries, the fruit. It's about blackberries, the smartphone. Um, and I think that's what's fascinating is that like since you come into this from a modern point of view, knowing that blackberry is sort of a almost a punchline footnote in tech history, because it was that last big thing before iPhones, uh, you know, which is is the thing that, of course, changed the the whole the world and, and remains sort of the you know industry leader for smartphones. So watching a story about BlackBerry, you know where it's going to end. So you sort of know going into it that it's going to have at least some sort of darkly comedic point of view on on basically telling you the story of like the invention of the fucking dodo. Um, you mm. know, it's like, here's this thing that is now completely obsolete. Now let's watch uh, how uh, it came to pass, you know, how this thing, the rise and fall, because I'm sure like like me, I'm sure you remember like when when Blackberries were like in the mid aughts, like they were the thing, you know, it was like every important person had a Blackberry, people called them Crackberries, yada, yada, yada. It was just inescapable, they were ubiquitous. I never had one because I think I was still like too young and poor. Like I was like, I, I, I could never, I, I wish I could be a person who had a Blackberry. But oh, see you somebody- mean you were in a C-suite? Exactly. Not a C-suite, not a C-suite. So, you know, um, 
so I think that for me, what I would want, what I would have wanted somebody to tell me uh, to get me to watch this movie would be like to say that it's more like the social network than it is like air. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's much more like it's it's really hard hitting and well done. And, you know, and we have this sort of like and it does really sort of elucidate this clash between imagination, entrepreneur, uh, sort of imagination, innovation, because the nerds in this, the sweet Canadian nerds in this, um, <laughs> who first come up with this idea, like, are not held up for scorn. Um, I mean, they're not lionized either, but they're just kind of like, yeah, like they, this is, they just what this, their passion. They're just passionate about like creating these innovations, and but they are helpless in the business world. They don't know yeah. how to package it, which is where Satan, as played by Glenn Howerton, enters the show. <laughs> Um, and you know, people have, have compared him and this to Alec Baldwin and Glenn, Glenn, Mary Glenn Ross, uh, <laughs> uh, because, you know, you just watch him just stand in front of a room and hurl obscenities at a bunch of cowering nerds. Um, and that is accurate to what he does. Um, but he also, uh, you know, through his understanding of his, of this, as a venal man, he has a brilliant understanding of a very venal market. So he knows exactly what to do to push them over the top. And that's what he does. Uh, so we, in, we know where the story is going, but it doesn't make getting there any less sort of captivating. Um, and and uh, enough cannot be said about Glenn Howerton in this movie. Uh, you know, those yeah. of us have been watching him as Dennis, uh, you know, for the last nearly 20 years. Uh, wow. The, yeah, wow. nearly 20 years on Always Sunny. Like, there's nothing, like, obviously, you, we know from that show that he's very good at playing, like, you know, a, a sociopath. Uh, you know, it's not, yeah. uh, it's not a shock. But the, but the, it, but the intensity, the term, the level of intensity he brings, like, the vein-popping intensity he brings to this role is staggering. Uh, it is like, you're watching this man truly just chew the scenery um, and not, you know, and not in a way that feels out of out of beat with the movie. It's not like he's in a different movie than the rest of the characters. Like he very much is connected all too much, if anything, to the other characters in the movie, because mm. we can feel the weight, the oppressive weight of his tyrannical uh, insanity on all these guys that are just trying to do their jobs. Once again, we're hearkening back to our conversation before we start taping. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but enough about our jobs <laughs> <laughs> you know but like yeah you know he's he is he is this person who is just crushing all of them but they also feel dependent on him because he understands this game he understands this market he understands business he understands how to keep making blackberry bigger and bigger and better and better um and i don't know i just found it all really really just impossible to resist and jay barakel also is i mean unrecognizable mm-hmm. it looks like nathan fielder uh, with his little silver wig. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was also, it was also great. I think it just, the writing is great. The editing is great. The, you know, all of it, I thought just worked really, really well. I, I couldn't agree more. I think, um, it's, yeah, it's classic story of someone gets in over their head, um, gets manipulated by the system, loses their souls. Some of them do, some of them don't. Um, and the hilarious consequences that ensue. Um, I think there's this just epic moment um, where Glenn Howard and um, as Jay Vasily is yelling at the board of directors of the national hockey league <laughs> is just phenomenal. You just want to watch full Dennis be Dennis, but beyond even, and also with that like bald cap wig situation going mm-hmm. on, he's just 
perfect. The casting is absolutely perfect. And the story is interesting enough. I did not know what happened. Um, oh. And I was a true delight. A true delight to watch that uh, rise and fall. Um, and just watch people compromise the things that are important to them. Um, again, because they're in over their heads. Mm-hmm. It was a lovely mm-hmm. story. It was. And and then there's the surprising revelation that the film's writer-director is also one of the main actors, uh, headband guy. Oh, I did not know that. Yes. Yeah. Ah. Uh, yeah, this is this is a character who is essentially uh, Jay Barakel's sort of like number two um, on the on the sort of the actual tech innovation side of things. Uh, and he's sort of like meant to be like the moral voice of reason um, who just kind of keeps just trying to anchor and plant to pull things back away from this direction Howerton's taking them in. And that is also the writer director of the film, Matt Johnson. Uh, yeah. So even though I was like, take off your fucking headband. Uh, I can't, <laughs> can't deny his prowess as a filmmaker. Uh, so yeah, this this is just a great little discovery movie um, that if you haven't seen, I personally recommend uh, seeking out on VOD. Oh, I couldn't agree more. This is, um, I guess it's a binge it. Yeah, I would agree. It's a binge it for me as well. Yeah, it's a real delight. You won't regret it. Um, Blackberry, again, it's on VOD, and it is rated R. Um, Oh, the language. (laughs) So much language. Oh, oh, the language. Um, (laughs) Oh, I also, yeah, I also love at the beginning kind of what happens with the the Jim Basile character and how he kind of gets gets out of his old job. Um, Mm, Just a fascinating mm. story. Um, Just all around, just just, um, people reaping what they sow. You love to see it. And the running gag of his last name. Yes. <laughs> um, that's it. Those are our movies. Jason, now is the time where our next run has got to have some of the big ones coming up. And by then, I mean Mission Impossible. Mm-hmm. Barbie. Full stop. Nope. Oh, right. Bar- yeah. Bar- Barbenheimer. Yeah. Do you have a plan for your day yet? I mean, I'm not prioritizing Oppenheimer um because christopher nolan hasn't made a good movie since inception and i'll say that until the end until the fucking cows come home uh but uh i'll see it eventually (laughs) i'll see it sometime this quarter uh and we can we can circle back for an episode okay uh but you are going to see um barbie opening we are yeah barbie opening weekend uh we are happily on the barbie side of that part of that particular divide um and, you know, maybe Oppenheimer will be great. Um, we'll see what the buzz is like. But, yes, we have Barbie coming up, Oppenheimer, Mission Impossible, 14, whatever it is. It's all it's all happening. And uh, it's all happening this quarter. So we will we will come back <laughs> on, on these on these major movies that are hoping to save the game. <laughs> Very excited. Um, thank you so much for listening. Um, bye bye. Bye, guys. Binging on movies with Rebecca and Jason. You made it to the end, that's amazing. There goes the binge. binge.